Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, VP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Hey everybody, this is Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering here at Tolaris, and you are back on another episode of the Next Level Biz Tech Podcast. This week, we're talking about cloud and we're talking about VDI, virtual desktop. Might have heard it as WAS, Workspace as a Service, um, lots of different names. But more importantly, the man of the hour we have on one of my favorite people, Mike Jones, Trace Advisors. Mike, thanks for coming on, Chief. Yeah, happy to be here, Josh. So, so Mike... The first part of this when we kick this off is I like to hear interesting backstories, how anybody's gotten into this space. You know, some people have just been on this path. They've been they've been doing this forever. Some people stumbled into this. I I was a car mechanic. You know, everybody's got weird windy paths, it seems like. So what I'd love to hear about kind of is your story of how you gotten into this space, to the spot that you're in, and then really get into who Trace Advisors is. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Yeah, my, my background is, uh, so in college, I, I was a double major in mathematics and computer science. Now, I'm really embarrassed to tell you what computer science was back in that day, okay? <laughs> it was like Fortran programming yes. and COBOL programming and all that jazz. But it, look, it's what computer science was at the time, right? Great big giant rooms full of IBM mainframes and all those kind of things. So I studied... Uh, math computer science in college and interestingly enough was recruited out of college by the department of defense and one little known fact about me that you probably don't even know is that my first job out of college uh, i was actually in a very highly trained and specialized department of the air force to do air-to-air missile development and testing so we were doing the actual operational testing of these air-to-air weapons. And so I may be one of the only rocket scientists that you've ever actually met or have known. So I love uh, it. I had a counterpart in the Navy and he and I supervised all the joint firings that we would do where we'd have uh, pilots, we'd brief them and tell them how we wanted the shot configured and all that kind of stuff. So when you, when you take a moving job object in the air and fire another moving object, trying to hit a third moving object, there's a lot of math and geometry and uh, other things involved in all that. So it was kind of uh, the Department of, Department of Defense recruited me straight out of school, sent me to Massachusetts for some specialized training on uh, both infrared and radar, guide, radar guided weaponry and uh, flight systems in the aircraft and all those things. So uh, I did that for a couple of years and it was the most fascinating job I've ever had. But in the end, it was still working for the government. Mm. So uh, it just kind of got bored with that and felt like my calling was to get in the free enterprise world. So I moved to Birmingham and took only one minor step up from the government. And that was went to work for South Central Bell, which was one of the original Bell operating companies. Yeah. And to further date myself, I mostly sold frame relay and Centrex back in those days. So, Love you know, it. those are some, those are some terms that be very few people on your podcast may even know uh-huh. what they are, but, but, uh, eventually worked there several years, got recruited away by a customer. I uh, went to work for this customer building a building a technology company he had. The only thing I didn't know was that he was a crook. So one day I was run one day I was running the company. I, he had promoted me a couple of times, and I was kind of running this nice little IT company, which at that time was selling Compaq and IBM computers and you know things like that. 
uh, back in the dawn of the PC age. Mm -hmm. uh, and so secretary walks in my office one day and said, uh, there's two gentlemen out front. I think you need to come out front. And I said, well, who are they? She said, well, one of them's got on a badge and a gun and the other one's got a bunch of paperwork and a suit. Uh -oh. And uh, the feds had come in and were seizing all the assets that this guy worked for, which I didn't own any of the company or know anything about his other dealings. I just, I just was running this little business for him. And so they were shutting it down. And so I had about 45 employees working for me. And so all I could tell them was, you know, as much as I do, uh, we're about to, we're about to have to do something else. Uh, so uh, called my accountant. He introduced me to a local investor. I went and met with a guy and literally within 24 hours, uh, uh, he invested in my first technology business. Wow. So uh, it was a little bit of a journey that, that, you know, I didn't plan it. Obviously I didn't plan on, you know, just being unemployed in an afternoon. Uh, so, uh, but I plucked a few of my key people from that organization and we, 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 we started from there and that was my first computer business. And fast forward, by the way, I bought him out a number of years later. And to this day, in fact, in March on March 5th, I had coffee with him on his 90th birthday. Wow. I still eat lunch with him every month. He's 90 years old now. And he was a cool guy, Naval Academy graduate, uh, super smart guy, been very successful businessman here locally in Birmingham. And we haven't been partners since 1995. But I still I still wow. go eat lunch with him every month, and he's such a great mentor to me, and was a guy who taught me everything I know about running a business at a very young age because I was very young when all that happened. So hmm. later on down the road, did a couple other things, and then uh, started an MSP in 2001. Only I didn't know that that was the name for it. Uh, I just thought it made sense to have a recurring proactive revenue model, and so I built a pretty successful. A managed service provider that was unique because it was specialized in healthcare. Ah. So every mm -hmm. single client we had was a large multi-location medical practice. Um, built that company and sold it to private equity in 2013 uh, and served out a three-year no-compete in the MSP space and decided uh, to sign with Solaris in 2016 after vetting all the other master agents at that time. I know we can still call them that at that mm -hmm. time. I know we're TSBs now, but so I, I checked out the industry and decided, you know, there's a better way to sell managed services and cloud. And and towards the end of my managed service company, I saw the cloud coming like a freight train. And I knew that, you know, whatever I was going to do. So the one thing I could do during the three years that I could not be in the managed service business, at least in the Southeast, is that I immersed myself into education about the cloud and about uh, virtual desktop, and cloud and infrastructure as a service and SD-WAN and all these things that I saw coming. And so that was one thing I could do that did not conflict with my uh, no-compete was to educate myself and transform myself to be more able to have conversations with clients about big picture and strategy and technology roadmap and things like that. So that's what I did. In 2016, I signed with uh, Tolaris, still with them today, making a lot of progress. And uh, I think we're now in the in the top 40, I think, of agents with you guys so we're, we're 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 paving our way here and and I, I would say that the one thing that's pretty different about us when i go to most of the meetings and talk to other you know colleagues in the business is that we're we're a lot more focused on it and advanced services and managed services and cloud than a lot of our telecom brethren who are more focused on some of those things but uh so that's kind of yeah and then so trace advisors is uh 
hard to believe now, about six years old. And, uh, you know, has gone from just me for the first few years. So I think we have about 10 folks now. And we kind of focus on just to tell folks who we are. You know, we're kind of a sales consulting and onboarding and implementation company. You know, in other words, we, we help clients figure out what their roadmap needs to look like. Then we help them pick the right folks to fulfill that roadmap. Uh, and then we help oversee the onboarding and implementation of those services to make sure that it's not too hard on the clients to get through that phase of it. And then we kind of turn them over day to day to, for those vendors to support them. So we're not really a support company, but right. we're a sales mm -hmm. and consulting company for the most part. Awesome. Love the story. Love the history. That's great. I, I'm always convinced there's a windy path. There's definitely a windy path there. So good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You never plan what necessarily comes along, but, uh, you know, it works out in the end. So it always seems to, uh, I want to, I want to jump into, you know, one of your first opportunities and we're going to get to a, a more recent opportunity, right? Something that, that covers a lot of the product sets now, but you know, you'd taken all that knowledge and you'd learned and, and you'd, you'd saw this freight train coming, but walk me through what was that first deal? Like, uh, just maybe give me give a little quick history on what that was like. Yeah. So, you know, we, again, uh, given that I'd always had a large focus in the healthcare space and my MSP, my former MSP was hundred percent focused on the healthcare space. So, um, as I, as I started trace advisors, you know, I started hearing from some of my former clients who I'd always had a good relationship with, who maybe weren't thrilled with the way things had gone with the company that I sold to. And there was a lot of trust with me. So, you know, these people were coming to me and going, well, hey, I've, you know, we really need some help here. We don't really know what to do. We've got these aging servers on site here. We're having all these connectivity problems. We're having, you know, problems with growth. Like we want to buy this little small practice over here, but we, then we got to integrate them back to our servers here. And we're just having all these challenges. So, you know, I started because of the education I'd done over that first three years when I was serving out my no compete, I felt comfortable you know, to say, hey, well, look, you know, we can put these things in the cloud and make it a lot easier for you to get to them. And then when you want to buy other practices, we just have to get them, just have to get them some internet access, get the right things set up, and we can make that happen. So uh, my, my first deal was a pretty simple, uh, you know, taking some on-site servers and pretty much, you know, moving them up to a, a cloud-based uh, infrastructure as a service with Rapid scale in that particular case was was who I used in that time frame. I was familiar with them a little bit and thought they had kind of what we needed there to help with that. And so basically, you know, they spun up a domain controller and an application server in the cloud and migrated the client's data over there. And we did some things with their internet connectivity to provide them with some redundancy, which they did not have, and started integrating some SD WAN. And so that was the early that was the early. Uh, projects were just very simple, just kind of moving a server from a premise to a cloud because it was, it was at end of life anyway. They didn't want to spend any more money on it. Uh, the OPEX versus CAPEX model started becoming attractive when you work in the physician space. Physicians are guys who generally are making pretty good incomes. So they would like to expense things as they, as they pay for them. That way they don't pay taxes on money they don't have to. So it's it's a very appealing to them as opposed to sticking a bunch of infrastructure on the balance sheet that they have to amortize for five years. They didn't going to last three. Mm -hmm. So the financial dynamics of the clients I served were appealing for OPEX versus CAPEX as well. And so 
first couple of deals were as simple as that, just really just moving a domain controller and an application server offsite into the cloud and, and hosting that and then tidying up the client's connectivity to get to that. Right. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that was our first couple of deals. Love it. Uh, let's, let's walk through, I, I want to talk about the evolution of relationships and, and the evolution of your business. So, you know, w when you're going in and you're modernizing infrastructure like that, how does that help? You know, how has that helped uh, in this technology, really your relationships and your customer and your business evolve? What's the evolution been like? Well, the evolution's a little bit interesting in my case because I'm dealing with a lot of clients now that were former clients from my MSP. So one thing they love about the model I have now is they don't have to worry about whether I ever sell trace advisors or not. You know, when I sold my former MSP, it sucked for them. You know, they, they wound up with somebody that didn't do a good job and they changed the culture and they did all these things that didn't, didn't work. So part of my presentation to new C-suite people when I meet them now is, look, I'm going to connect you with all these world-class people and, you know, you're going to have a relationship directly with them. We're going to help you get on board with them and we're going to help make that smooth. But then going forward, no matter what I do with Trace Advisors one day, whether I grow it, sell it, don't don't sell it, what it doesn't matter, you've got these relationships that go and endure, you know, beyond that. So it's a, it's an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people think about with our model. But but um, and me having gone through that and people not feeling good about the experience of who, of who bought my company, they they felt better about me helping guide them, but not necessarily have to be the guy delivering the end result. So. And I think what it's allowed us to do now is our customers just don't look at us the same way. They look at us truly as their strategic advisors for technology. And they don't look at us as a day-to-day -day MSP or deliverable. You know, they understand that our job is to help them define the roadmap and then help them fill the right people into those pieces of the puzzle, whether it be a rapid scale or anyone else. And you know, make make that work for them, and then and then then they have something that's easy for them to grow and scale, and we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. We just we develop a solid strategy and and grow it from there. So it's it's transformed the way clients view us, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. Good, good, really good examples. Yeah, it makes sense. You're, and and in that story, you get to be the hero twice for them. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. I get to be the hero twice, and uh, I love so. It. But it's a listen, it's a you know, it's been a it's been something that's really, really worked. And because, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time educating clients on things like, hey, it's difficult to become a supplier for Tolaris. So guess what? When I bring you somebody from our portfolio, you're going to know that they've been vetted and they've been looked at and they've been examined, not only financially, but operationally and customer satisfaction wise. And, you know, in other words, if I bring somebody to you you know, there's a lot better chance of success with these folks because they're world-class in nature. They've been vetted by an organization that is very picky about who their suppliers are. So, you know, it's a, it's a very high caliber group of people we bring to the table. So. Good point. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, so let's, let's pick a deal. Let's pick a recent deal. And, and what I want to go into with this, right. And, and, you know, think about folks listening to this, maybe they, Maybe they are selling connectivity. Maybe they're selling security. Maybe they're just not in the cloud side of it yet. So what I like mm -hmm. to hear in, in the story side of this is, you know, we're talking cloud, we're talking virtual desktop. Walk me through an example of one of these customers that you've walked into, you've discovered the environment, the problems were X and Y, 
And what's what's the solution that you ultimately put in front of them? And and what did that change? What did it fix? And kind of what was that end outcome? Yeah, so so one of my clients was actually another company that I founded during the time that I was absent from the MSP space. It was a medical billing company that had grown to uh, 35 U.S. employees, all of whom worked from home in nine different states, uh, and 375 independent contractors in India and the Philippines. So the challenge we were having as we grew that company from a technology standpoint is, okay, so we never had an office. Everybody in our company worked from home or worked remotely, and we're working in the HIPAA world. So our challenge was to have the kind of security and compliance that we needed to have to pass the HIPAA and high trust smell test. You know, we had to really make an investment in technology. So what we did was, and in, in, this, in this particular case, we, we knew that a virtual desktop would allow us to give our people a portable desktop that no matter where they were or no matter what device they were on, that we could that we could have a secure and compliant and controlled desktop that they could use that not only would be more reliable, but we also layered in a couple of things like LastPass and some other technologies that allowed us to not only control the desktop, but for example, when our offshore people who worked for us on an independent contractor basis, when they would access their desktop, they would then click to go into the applications where the patient health information lived but they didn't see the username and password that was being sent to open that. So they couldn't turn around on their laptop in India and download a patient base and sell it on the dark web because except for through that secure desktop, they could not access that information. And the desktop itself was controlled in terms of download, print, scan, any of those things were disabled. So we were able to go and present to our clients why we had a very secure platform for them to feel comfortable for us to do their medical billing. And so we implemented the other, the other thing that was interesting in the rapid scale fit in this particular case, rapid scale had a data center in Hong Kong. So that allowed our users in the Philippines and India to hit a data center close to home. So their latency was not awful. And our U S users were at the Dallas data center. So it gave us a solution that, uh, Frankly, what it did was it just turned off all the noise from our end users and all the daily routine problems because now all their applications and their Office 365 and everything was just nice and bundled in that secure desktop. And no matter what device they're on it from in India or the Philippines or in the U.S., no matter where they were in a coffee shop and it didn't make any difference, they could get to that secure desktop and they could do their job. And have very few problems. So for the people in our company that had to worry about it when we had problems, we got a lot of their time back. Yeah. You know, they now they could focus on more strategic IT things than, you know, trying to support users on a day-to-day basis. So uh, it just it just turned off all the noise with the typical end user problems. And uh, because that golden image and that virtual desktop is kind of protected and, and guarded. And so somebody gets it hosed up, they just reboot and get a new one. I mean, it's yeah. like it, it just kind of eliminated support in large part. So, um, you know, and so for us, one of the reasons we had offshore labor was to it's a very attractive price for offshore labor. So we just added a technology layer on that to make sure that we were secure and compliant. And uh, so it, it helped our business to grow like crazy, which we could not have done outside of that. We subsequently sold that company and, 
2020 to a private equity group in Chicago, and they're still using that. All the technology we put in place, it's just a lot bigger now, but it's all grown and all very solid. So that's that's a good point too. I mean, you bring up that to tell you, you know, to tell you that it didn't get ripped out, it didn't get replaced. You made a you made a company look more attractive because they went, oh my gosh, we don't have to do anything. Let's just keep adding to this. This is easy. I can tell you that I can tell you that the first meeting I had with the management team of the of the private equity group that bought us that night at dinner when we explained our technology to them, their CTO, who I learned later and now that I know him well, I can understand it, is very short on praise, uh, you know, generally speaking. And he said we were the most compliant company he'd ever seen. Wow. In terms of our in terms of our uh, security and compliance with that virtual desktop infrastructure from rapid scale. And, you know, the other challenge we have with our offshore people is they couldn't make calls to uh, insurance payers because the insurance payers won't take calls from offshore. Uh, so we just put, we just put Nextiva right in their desktop. And so now when they're call when they're making their calls on claims, they're calling from the U S numbers off of their, off of their uh, uh, Nextiva app right there in the desktop. So, you know, it just solved that problem as well. So, it, it, and again, the, the, the private equity group hasn't changed a thing about the infrastructure we had. They've, they've, uh, they've grown it, but uh, we're, they were very impressed. So that solved a very big set of problems for us and just eliminated us. You know, we didn't have to have an IT team. I mean, we didn't want one, uh, you know, and, and we just didn't have to have one because that just put us in a place where a rapid scale is there when we need them, you know, from a help desk perspective and things like that, but it's rare. Right. Uh, Pretty stable environment. Good example. So you solved essentially 15 different problems in one. Yeah. And again, are they zero? Yeah. And the largest one being security and compliance. You know, yes, it performs well and it works well and it's easy to use and all those things. But in the in the HIPAA world, man, if you don't have security and compliance, you're taking an enormous risk. And yeah. and I can tell you that as the person who was actually the seller of that company, I can tell you that it added value to the price. Mm-hmm. There's no question because they didn't think they were going to have to come in and do some forklift overhaul of what we were doing yeah. to get us where we needed to be from a compliance standpoint. Good point. So great example. Paid dividends. Good stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. Final, uh, final thoughts here. So we we've talked past, we've talked present. I want to, I want to look forward, right? Cause you've seen some crazy innovations. You've seen how fast this stuff accelerates and something new and wild comes in, you know, your perspective on cloud and infrastructure, you know, desktop, what, what, you know, where do you think this goes? I mean, if we're looking out 24, 36, I mean, 12 months, whatever you want it to be, I guess just what's your perspective? You've seen a lot of different trends. Just kind of curious as we wrap, um, what do you think? Yeah, it I, like? I think I think for me, number one, the biggest trend I see on the network side of things, I know we're talking cloud and host gear and BDI, but I will say that it all ties in together and that the, the whole edge, the whole edge concept now and, and secure access service edge and what have you and the, and the players we have in the space in our portfolio who provide those advanced services. That's the, that's the biggest area of focus I see with almost every client we have is interested in improving on that. A lot of it too is driven by supply chain problems. You know, supply chain problems and getting firewalls has caused us to do more with somebody like Cato, for example, because we can deploy their sockets and get them up in a week or two. You know, we don't have to wait months for a firewall. So all this stuff is playing together a little bit, but I'd say on the cloud and BDI side, obviously to me, the biggest paradigm shift was Microsoft making a decision to get in that space. And, you know, they have a tendency to, once they decide to get in that space, 
Uh, they tend to kind of own that space. And we're already seeing uh, how difficult it is right now, for example, to get a client to even consider Citrix at this point in certain cases because they, they're worried about, well, where are they going to be versus now that Microsoft's got in with their Azure BDI product. So I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot more growth in the in the VDI side with Microsoft now that we're going to be doing a lot more of I believe, and look it, in in the old days when I was a young salesman there was an old saying nobody ever got fired for buying IBM right <laughs> well no, nobody gets fired for buying Microsoft either yeah. I mean for the most part so you know it's if you're a CIO or CTO out there or somebody's got to make a technology decision and you know you're looking at the players in the space I think that. I see a, a big trend leaning towards kind of leaning more into Azure and 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 Microsoft as a player in the in the VDI space in particular in the in the cloud space for sure. So um, you know, and 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 having the kinds of connectivity with all these edge options now to have gateways to all the hyperscalers like Google and Azure and AWS and these kind of folks, those are the things where I see uh, opportunity. And I and I think my message to a lot of agents is don't underestimate the resources that are there to help you. You don't have to be an expert on all this stuff to be able to present and talk with people about it. Not only do we have an army of people on your team at, at Tolaris who are uh, at subject matter experts in all these areas, but you know, the suppliers themselves I found will, will offer you everything they can to help you with presentations, help you with, uh, meetings and help you with uh, get getting it, the clients educated and things like that. So I would just say to somebody out there that's maybe been more focused on telecom only or something like that, you know, open your mind to the opportunities that are there with your clients and take advantage of all the resources that are there for you. I mean, there's a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I ping you from time to time and go, Hey, Josh, I got this. Who's, who, who am I missing in the portfolio that does this? You know, those are the kind of things that, and leaning on your team, and then the and then the teams that your team works with at the suppliers. I mean, those those are the kind of things people should take advantage of, and don't leave this money on the table because you, what what's going to happen is there's the convergence now of people that are doing both. So if you're just sitting out there selling uh, UCAS and Fat Diamond Happy with that, you're going to wake up one day and the guy that was doing the managed service is going to take the UCAS business from yeah. you. So. Uh, because I've taken plenty of managed services from an MSP who was asleep at the wheel mm -hmm. and thought I was just the phone guy in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's letting the Fox in the hen house. So if you're already in the hen house, you know, try to gather up as many of those eggs as you can, because there, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. I love it. Good stuff. Lots of lessons learned. Uh, Mike, that brings us to the end. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Always a joy to talk to you, man. Yeah, Josh, listen, thanks to you and your team for all the support you provide us and uh, happy to help. Awesome. Okay, everybody, that wraps us up today. We got Mike Jones, Trace Advisors, Cloud and VDI. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Solaris. And this wraps up another podcast for the Next Level Biz Tech. Until next time. Next Level Biz Tech has been a production of Tolaris Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.